What is happening? It's another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. I am your host. Mikey is on the ones and twos. It is August 6th, the year 2021, and we are progressing nicely towards the first preseason game for the Browns in just over a week here. I have Jared Mueller, the managing editor of the Browns Wire, with me. How are we doing this evening, Jared? You know, Brad, feeling old, feeling excited. There is something so interesting and different about actually getting to root for, care for, cover a team that's good in Cleveland. Uh, it was an experience with the Cavaliers when I was covering them throughout their, you know, LeBron James years, all that stuff. This feels so interestingly different. Like we're all like eggshells. Christmas is coming. We got a lot of that kind of that going on, but we also have that Cleveland. Who? What's gonna fall apart, right? Like even in some of the conversations we're gonna have tonight, it's it's that. Oh, but are they gonna be able to figure it out with you know, or is this gonna happen? All that. So it's just such a really interesting dynamic, and it's it honestly, it's a lot more fun than the fact that I don't give a flying rip right now about any mock drafts. That's so exciting for me. That is exciting, absolutely exciting. I, that's a, a joy to not have to care about that right now. Um. So, you know, uh, day off, and then they're back today, right? So, you know, back in the flow of of things at camp. Uh, Let's start with this one theme that continued today, and he's almost forcing people to talk about him, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, he has just been tremendous uh, in all aspects, all accounts from camp. He's catching balls when he's open. He's catching balls when he's not open. He's making big plays every day. Baker's looking for him. Uh, he's he's making us talk about him on, on almost every show I've done this week. We've talked <laughs> about Donovan Peoples-Jones. So, but but he's forcing that on us. So where do you come out on this wide receiver three? I don't necessarily think is is as defined of a role as it's been in the past. I think we're gonna have some some different roles for different guys and things like that. But uh, where do you where are you at with like Donovan Peoples Jones? Is he forcing them to to put him on the field first? Is he going to jump Rashard Higgins or, or how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's very possible. Uh, DPJ did a lot last year in a very little amount of time and and really a little amount of stats. Right, we're talking about fourteen receptions, you know, two touchdowns, all of that stuff. I think what he's really going to force. I think he does get probably more snaps than Rashard Higgins. Uh, for a couple reasons. One, he's far more explosive. Uh, so he replaces Odell Beckham Jr. at times when OBJ needs a break. Um, but I also think he's a better blocker. And I think that's something that we saw last year uh, in a variety of different runs or pass uh, passing attempts. And so if you have Donovan Peoples-Jones and Jarvis Landry, both who are willing blockers and good blockers for what they are, you don't have to have two tight ends on the field as much. And so you have an opportunity then to have either of them you know, in line, like almost as if they're a tight end. Uh, and I just don't, I mean, Higgins is very good at, at what he does. Uh, but I think Donovan Peoples-Jones just has a little bit more when it comes to uh, explosiveness as well as as a blocker. And we saw a lot of that willingness uh, his rookie year. What it really brings up to me, though, that's interesting uh, is what wide receiver actually plays on special teams at all, right? Anthony Schwartz wasn't really a returner. Rashard Higgins doesn't play a ton of special teams or hasn't played a ton of special teams. Then you have Donovan Peoples-Jones. So it really leaves, uh, you know, if he's returning, 
Uh, but you know, those gunners and all that stuff really matters. So you're just looking at Hodge, right? Darrell yeah. Hodge. So yeah, I think Donovan Peoples Jones has forced himself into that conversation. Um, and I think it's really fun to see. Uh, and, and you and I are probably enjoying a little bit too much of our guy, Jeff Risden having to kind of eat crow already, you know, a week <laughs> after, uh, and it, and actually, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones is actually the reason we did that article is he had that thought and we're like, you know what, let's just throw up what our 53 we're going to be, like he'll write it up, argue it out a little bit or whatever. And it was primarily because of, of his belief of what was going to happen there. And it's less than a week later. And that, uh, article is going to, uh, I'm going to dangle that over his head for the rest of the season. Fantastic. That's a must. That's a must do right there. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Jeff was on earlier this week. We actually talked about the same, to- same topic. So he certainly was eating crow. Yeah. So certainly, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he was impressed. Here's where I'm at with this. Like Donovan Peoples Jones, Jared, for me, I'm impressed. His body looks different. You know, when you just look at him. You, you can tell he put in the work in the offseason and he kind of NFLized his body. That's not a word, but I just made it one, right? <laughs> um, NFLized his body and and he has those traits, the, the leaping ability, the uh, exceptional catch, the speed, the body, the strength, the height. He has is the prototype prototypical wide receiver. And after this year, we don't know what this room is gonna look like. But I know he's going to be in it, and I know he's going to be a one or a two. I, I think he's a perfect wide receiver, two for the future of this team. So if you can give him more reps now, great. But I don't want to take away from the fact that, okay, Higgins was f- freaking fantastic in the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. Like, thought he was going to go into free agency and somebody was going to make him their wide receiver too. It just didn't happen. That's just how the market happened. And he wanted to come back here. I think he kind of knows where his bread's buttered. (laughs) Right. Right. Like Higgins, though, I'm starting to believe this just from kind of reading the tea leaves and listening to comments and stuff. If you look at how it went down with Freddie, right, in the doghouse with Freddie, last year with with uh stefanski they started with hodge mm-hmm. as wide receiver three they went to people's jones but higgins when he finally got his chance to get on the field he doesn't let you take him off the field because he just makes one big play after another so maybe he's not a very good practice player and he's just a gamer like uh, is that possible it is what i've been told about uh higgins is uh, the example I've heard, and it makes sense for older players, uh, is actually like a Zach Thomas, the linebacker from Miami back in the day, is he doesn't flash. There's nothing flashy about him. There's nothing overly impressive about him. So in practice, he's just there. He's just making catches, but everything seems routine. Everything seems just easy. You know, he's just not. And so then when you see a player like Donovan Peoples-Jones and, you know, any even Kadero Hodge is a kind of a speed guy, has that that going on as a coach you're like i can get more out of him i can do more with him um but when when the lights go on richard higgins literally is doing the exact same thing there's no change there's consistency there's continuity he was hilarious this week talking about i don't know you're gonna have to ask god why me and baker mayfield <laughs> have such a connection but the reality is is he is so consistent that for yes. baker mayfield who likes to know where his players are going to be, likes to just kind of have that feel, you know, it just makes a lot of sense. So yeah, he's, he's not going to show out in practice. 
what he does in practice is what he's going to do in the game. It's not going to look uh, significantly different. And so I think what's really more of the conversation is is going to be total snap count. And then, as you were just kind of alluding to, then it's about next year, right, and the year yeah. after that. That's when it becomes really interesting. But I think this year, and we're probably going to talk about this with Greedy and some of the other players here in a second, is this year is going to be all about you got to prove it. If you're younger, you're going to have to prove it. We're going to play the guys that have the highest floor that give us some ceiling, and you're going to have to prove that you have a high enough floor that I don't have to worry about you running the wrong route. I don't have to worry about you breaking it off incorrectly and Baker Mayfield throws the ball where you should be and it's an interception pick six gone, right? So these young guys, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, even you know on the other side of the ball, Jacob Phillips, Jordan Elliott, across the board, these young guys are going to have to prove they have a high enough floor to compete at a Super Bowl consistency level, whereas in the past, we've only looked for upside. Because we weren't gonna, they weren't gonna do anything, right? They're not gonna win. Exactly. They're not gonna go five hundred. So all they, all we thought about was upside, 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 upside. It's totally different now. You can't screw the game up for us. Then we're gonna worry about upside. So these young guys, really, that's gonna be the focus this year. Is really where is your floor? Are you consistent? Are you doing the right thing over and over again? If not, we're only gonna put you in in those routes and those situations that we know you're gonna do a good job on. And if that means Anthony Schwartz is running down the field uh, like Travis Benjamin, and that's it, he's just running nines and and flag routes. Fine, let's go ahead and do that. And you that you bring up the point right there that I was going to get to next is it's very possible I think that this just turns into a timeshare at wide receiver three across four different guys that can have four different skill sets, and nobody really shines or takes off, but it's just kind of. You know, we have Higgins for this. We know DPJ can do this. We know we want, we like Hodge because we know he'll be there where he's going to be, and we know he'll catch it. And, and we've got Schwartz to, to throw the deep ball to. I mean, and, and DPJ. And maybe they just kind of, they mm-hmm. all play a role, and there's no real defined wide receiver three, like this guy's going to get 400 snaps. I, I just, that's very possible. It's really going to be hard. I mean, you look at, you know, there can be five skilled players on the field at any time, and one of them is going to be Hunt or Chubb or both, right? And then you have Hooper, who uh, is starting to kind of get rid of some of the weight. His quickness is coming back. Some of the speed stuff's coming back. David Njoku is still an athletic marvel. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, we've already hit six, right? And then you add Harrison Bryant, you add all the other receivers we just talked about. And so you really are going to see a lot of rotation. I could see outside of Nick Chubb, the Browns being the most frustrating fantasy offense, Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield, um, their weapons, you really don't know. And I think they are going to play the hot hand. And I, what I've heard from Odell Beckham Jr. this offseason, and anytime he's talked, is he's talked about one play. He hasn't talked about you know, all the plays and lots of yards and touchdowns. He's talked about the one play, and I, I think he has seen the light that he can still be a dynamic receiver and have lots of yards, but if it doesn't matter for the team, it doesn't matter for the team. So I could see the Browns' weapons as a whole. You add it all together, you're like, wow, they had a really good year. Um, but individually, fantasy folks are going to be really frustrated with Kevin Stefanski. 
Absolutely. Just a lot of footballs to go around, and uh, you're absolutely right. I had my fantasy special uh, earlier this week with two guys, and, and that's what they said, too. They, they were like, we love Nick Chubb. He's going like six ADP in first rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody loves him. Baker is a good guy to take in daily fantasy because he's cheap, uh, and he'll have like real high upside games. But other than that, you know, Jarvis, maybe a middle-round pick, but, you know, OBJ's a gamble. And after that, we, we don't, just don't know how it's going to play out. And I that's good for the Browns uh, if, when you face – I mean, they, if they don't know how we're going to do it, you know, that's a good thing, I suppose. Um, a lot of weapons to get the ball to. I, you're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, we are doing training camp breakdown for the second time this week. Tonight is with the, the esteemed – Top man at the Browns Wire, Jared Mueller, uh, and uh, he is with us tonight. And we're talking, you know, kind of overarching themes of training camp and some things that went on today and whatnot. Grant Delpit, uh, Jared is they're they're taking it really nice and slow with him, uh, even slower than I thought they were. I I got the feeling coming out of like minicamp, like hey, he's going to be involved in stuff. But there, he's really not involved in any team drills um, or team activity or team uh, sessions, pardon me. And then you've got Greedy Williams, who they're being very careful with, but is getting beat. You know, he got beat a couple times today, I guess, by Peoples-Jones on a deep ball. Uh, and and then, you know, you've got Newsom, who's a rookie, first-round rookie, and where do you come out with all these guys? I was hoping Delpit would be further along. I understand you're taking your time with him. They're going day on, day off with Odell Beckham Jr. I understand that. That makes total sense to me. I'm perfectly fine with that, right? Because he doesn't need the... But, but, like, I need to know a little bit more about Delpit. I need to know even further, I would say. I need to know what's going on with Greedy's arm and shoulder. It's not a lower extremity, You've got the pads on. Let's find out now before we get to week one. Like, if he can't do it and that nerve isn't going to be right, you know, and he can't hit anymore or do whatever he needs to do anymore at corner, we need to know now, not week one. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it's an interesting group. Um, You know, Grant Delpit, an Achilles injury, is probably one of the few things left in sports that is still the like riskiest thing in the world. Uh, you know, ACLs have just become kind of commonplace, right? Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. six months later is running sprints like I'll never run in my life and yeah. can barely imagine running in my life. So uh, Achilles have just become such an interesting issue um, in in what they can do and what the concern is and the athleticism and all of that kind of stuff. Cam Akers, the running back for the Rams, you know, just had his um, – just happened this offseason so Delpit is going to be a really concerning player for the Browns and someone that I could see being a frustration for a lot of fans Uh, but someone the Browns think is a long-term stud safety and for them the first eight weeks and honestly even this season maybe not saying he's going to be on IR or anything like that but if as they think of Grant Delpit they do not see this season as as a requirement right as something they have to force with him. He's not an older player. He's not on a big contract, all of that kind of stuff. And so that Achilles injury is going to be babied in so many ways, which is why John Johnson was signed, why this hamstring injury for Ronnie Harrison is really important. 
I do think they'll end up having Grant Delpit, but they are just not going to take any risks. They're going to every day check the flexibility of that Achilles. They're going to check the strength of that Achilles. Um, they're going to do a lot of work on that before they ever give him a chance to explode. Um, and so, you know, for me, because it's lasted this long, I have started to put Delpit kind of off to the side as a bonus baby kind of thing. And that's just playing it safe a little bit, right? And, and just wanting to say, okay, if that happens, what does that then look like for the rest of the defense? Well, Jeremiah wosu Koromola is obviously back now from the COVID-19 list, but Anthony Walker is out. Jacob Phillips has shown pretty well this offseason, uh, but he's a younger guy, injury concerns, all that stuff. Um, you know, so does that end up meaning like we're now going to talk about Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom, Troy Hill, Denzel Ward. Does it end up being JOK or a, an extra corner in place of kind of a, a Grant Delpit? And I think that's what makes you know a lot of sense that they have that flexibility. With Greedy, um, from what I understand, there was nothing in, in particular that made them wait this long, um, that the, they just decided they wanted to wait this long they wanted to just kind of see how he reacted to to just some of the little touches and those kind of things um but besides that he was cleared by his physical therapist uh he's cleared by the team they just wanted to kind of do as little as possible uh as as they as they could and unfortunately for greedy you think about where he's been you know in in from a defensive standpoint lsu uh, a lot of man coverage, a lot of press man, a lot of physicality. His rookie season, he was destroyed. Uh, he was he was the Where's Waldo. Uh, he was the weak link and Steve Wilkes's off man or zone coverage. And now he comes into Joe Woods, who wants to do a lot of a lot of stuff, right? And so uh, Woods likes a little bit more zone than people really want to believe because Denzel and greedy are man guys but yeah he likes that seattle cover three right and so um that's not exactly greedy williams strength it's not exactly denzel's either but denzel's just good so it doesn't really matter Uh, but it's not exactly greedy strength so it'll be interesting to see um can he really overcome you know the shoulder neck nerve he was never that great of a tackler anyways um, you know, confidence issues from his rookie season, missing a whole year, and now again, maybe not being used in press man. Um, with Greg Newsom, uh, we have a, a thing that we do for, for the USA Today page uh, that looks at kind of the weekly training camp. And what I said about Greg Newsom this week is that no news is good news, in that, you know, a rookie cornerback or left tackle, if you're hearing their names, probably something's wrong. Right now, every once in a while, they're going to make an intercept. They're going to have an interception, but that doesn't happen very often in training camp. So with Greg Newsom, no news is really, really good news. They've been moving him around a lot, especially with Troy Hill missed today. I don't I think it was another veteran uh, day, but I may have missed something uh, with that. Just hanging out with our new puppy. Um, but no news with Greg Newsom is going to be good news. Um, we're, that's that's all I want to see. I want to hear nothing. I want to be like Greg Newsom was on the field today. He wasn't injured. Um, you know, maybe he had a pass breakup here and there, but everything else means that he's where he needs to be, where he's supposed to be. He's not getting blown on, blown out in coverage. Um, and I think similar to what we talked about with the wide receiver three, you're going to see a lot of rotation there. I think we're going to see more Troy Hill outside than we thought we were going to see, um, because he was, he was fine with that with the Rams as well. Um, we just, we like to categorize people. So we're like, Oh, Troy Hill's going to be the slot 
cornerback. Well, yeah, he can be, but I think we're going to see a lot of him in the outside as well. And Newsom has played uh, okay inside starting out and really showing his flexi- flexibility and versatility. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's interesting to think about that way because, I, you know, I had not slotted Hill, and I know Hill can do both very effectively, actually. But it's interesting you bring that up, you know, and I thought it was a great sign that they did – you know, that was one of my main takeaways from minicamp is that they were working uh, Newsom in and out because no longer are the days then of Tavier Thomas or MJ Stewart having to play uh, nickel, right? Um, you know, at that nickel corner spot. Hopefully knock on something, <laughs> right? right? Um, well, and yeah. So if you have both those guys, then one can slide in, out, you know, depending on what the in-situation is. As long as both those guys can play in there, that's fine. But does Troy Hill all of a sudden become your best second option on this team? Are you better off with him on the field than Newsom outside? I don't know. I mean, that's something they maybe need to explore because he did that with the Rams and he did it effectively. Well, I think the other thing we, it's so hard. I mean, there's going to be tons of things this year that are hard to get, kind of get out of our habits besides, you know, the fact that we're used to covering a losing team, Um, you know, watching the hall of fame game. I saw Micah Parsons and I was like, why is the wide receiver able to move around like that? What is happening? Right. It was just a, it was a, a highlight, but I was like, why is a number 11, what is happening on this? Oh, oh crap! That's the defender wearing number eleven as a linebacker. Like I was very confused. You know, when I do my game predictions, I promise you, I'm going to come on a podcast somewhere and be like thirteen and three. And if the podcast host doesn't pay attention either, they're like, oh, okay, thirteen and three. No, there's seventeen freaking games. And I say yeah. all that to say, yeah. we talk about outside corner and inside corner. The reality is, is how many times is Tyreek Hill lined up as the third inside guy? And the next time he is isolated outside, right? You know, how often is Travis Kelsey as the second slot? And then there's an, you know, and then outside and then, then actually a tight end. And so I think a lot of times we kind of get stuck in our head a little bit on slot corner uh, wide receivers and where they play all of that kind of stuff. Uh, when the reality is, is, you know, some of the most exciting things I saw out of the Browns last year were Kareem Hunt split out wide, right? And there was Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry inside of them. And Odell is the closest guy to the right tackle. So I think when you think about the cornerbacks, you really want to know who can play in certain areas, um, who feels comfortable with the boundaries. Really, honestly, at some level, it's harder to play inside, right? You have no boundary. You literally are playing option routes all day, every day. Uh, So it's just who's comfortable in there. Uh, and who can play outside, who has enough physicality, uh, understanding of route combinations, those kind of things. Uh, and then obviously, if you're playing a lot of cover three, uh, you know, who has a good feel for when to, you know, drop, come, you know, all that stuff, depending on what's happening in front of them. So, um, but yeah, I just think that the Browns, uh, they talked about versatility this year, the same way they talked about alignment, uh, you know, the year prior when they were hiring Barry and Stefanski. And I think they wanted to be able to put people all over the field. Tony Fields got drafted. They didn't really need that guy, but he's versatile for down the road. You know, special teams, all that stuff. Same thing with Newsom, Delpit, Johnson, Harrison. You know, they're just even greedy can't or not greedy. Uh, Denzel can play inside. Um, they they really like that versatility. Yeah. So I guess ultimately, my question would be: Well, two, and you already hit on the one. Is Delpit going to be so unavailable? Because in my perfect dream, I have this 
dime that that Joe Woods talks about he wants to play with three safeties on the field and it's Delpit Johnson and Harrison as the hangover like you know the the hangover uh, guy mm-hmm. and or your Viper or whatever you want to call it they all have different names for the the hybrid guy right that's uh, up near the box and 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 then uh, JOK is your is your linebacker and that's like the most versatile <laughs> like you know you team you can put out there like on third and 15 try and get open against this defense right uh but now is jok going to be forced to come out of will and play that viper spot because i don't like sheldrick redwine and richie lecount has been unheard of yeah i mean i think i think you're going to see some of that uh you know where jok was great in notre dame was that hang defender like he was great in that slot in the alley whatever you know there's lots of different terminology there uh, to be honest, it's going to be one of the it's one of the most heartbreaking things for me if uh, Delpit continues to struggle, only because that is everybody has positions they love. For me, it's been free safety. I've been begging for Derwin James, Buddha Baker. I mean, you they're just on down the line. Uh, Jeremy Chin was uh, I wanted two safeties last year. I mean, I I didn't really care. Like for me, free safety is such a a position that I just love watching, and so. Um, they really did think Grand Delva was going to be Derwin James light, you know, a little less than that because Derwin James is ridiculously amazing. So yeah, I think you're going to see you're going to see that. I think the hard thing there is with Anthony Walker being the defensive play caller, they're not going to really want him off the field very often. And in Indianapolis, he didn't get to play three downs. When you have Darius Leonard, you don't get to do that, right? That's not you don't take Darius Leonard off the field. So I think it's not as big of a deal that JOK then would kind of come in for Delpit uh, because Walker's probably going to be on the field more often than we thought uh, when he was first signed. I mean, one year, $4.5 million, whatever, in that range that he signed for, we didn't think of that as such a huge contract, right? Uh, But now him being the defensive play caller, they're not going to be running in and out the green dot helmet for John Johnson. So um, I think we're going to see a lot more Walker on the field than we think. And so if Delpit's on the field, it's not going to be JOK and that dime look that you listen, I was with you. Like the idea of John Johnson's calling the defense and I've got JOK who, you know, I just have that defense. Like, are you kidding me? Like, right. go ahead. With, with figure Connie it out. Inside and, and tack Tack on the outside. And, yep, yep. Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. I just don't, unfortunately, and not that I don't think it can happen. I think the Browns are going to be so cautious with him because they just do see him as the possibility of of a vital piece of their long-term defense. And while the NFL stands for not for long, the Browns do have some thoughts of what their, you know, their five to ten year window looks like. You know, and John Johnson, you know, signed a three, four year contract. You know, none of these are guaranteed to be long-term deals. So outside of Denzel, hopefully, and Miles Garrett, the Browns have no one else. No, they don't. They just don't have nothing else guaranteed on that side of the ball. Hopefully, JOK. Hopefully, Newsome. Like, they've got some young guys they're hoping for. But but outside Miles and Denzel, they don't have anything that's a part of their long-term core. Whereas you look on the offensive side of the ball, you've got Chubb, you've got Baker, Wills, uh, hopefully Teller. But if not, uh, Batonio, Conklin's there, been there, going to be there for at least another year. Uh, they just have a few more foundational pieces. They really have very few on the other side of the ball. I guess I, I'm kind of disappointed by that, Jared, in that I would like to see, see JOK be like 
you know, Darius Leonard. Like I, I that's my comp for him. Like I mm-hmm. want him to play linebacker today in today's NFL. I should say, I think he can be effective. Will linebacker and even maybe your third down only linebacker if you really want to get creative. And I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Like, like you said, if you have Darius Leonard on your team, maybe you know you 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 leave the field on third downs, right? Well, maybe if you have JOK on your team, you get off the field on third down. That's my hope for the future, right? Sure, so. absolutely. And I think that's really the key is. Um, you know, just like we talked about with the wide receiver, they're going to make these young guys earn it. Um, and if they're good enough, they're good enough. But again, um, yeah, I think, you know, Darius Leonard wasn't Darius Leonard in his rookie season. He wasn't, he was Darius Leonard about year two, year and a half to, you know, he started kind of coming on, I think with JOK, um, and with the, you know, the young guys, he's just not going to have an opportunity to fail. Uh, they're going to not, that is, you're not going to fail on the job when a Super Bowl is, is. I mean, let's just be honest. It's in, it's in, it's within reach, which is very oh, yeah. strange to keep saying and yeah. meaning and believing and not being a crazy person. No, I, I, I think it's very, I think it's very legitimate uh, to to uh, think about the Super Bowl. I think that, um, yeah, I just think this team has so much going for it offensively and potentially defensively it's just i think it is really within grasp uh if it all comes together right there's so much a football season is such a roller coaster ride of events and ups and downs and everything and it it's each season is its own entity and i try to get that across to people like you can't bank on what happened at the end of last year or anything that happened like you none of that momentum carries into to this season each season and each football team in that season is, is really its own entity. You need to separate it, block it off, which is why Stefanski goes back to this is how we practice and this is step one. And, uh-huh. and that's the right way to do it. Like doing it any other way is, is wrong. Like he's doing it the right way. Uh, and we'll talk more about that pace a little bit later. But I do want to talk about Josh Allen with you and you're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, tonight's guest uh, top man, managing editor at the Browns Wire, USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire, Jared Mueller, and we're blessed to have him uh, here on tonight's show. Jared Allen. Jared Allen. Josh <laughs> Allen. Combination of Jared Goff and Josh yeah, Allen. <laughs> Jared Goff. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Josh Allen signs his extension, um, and it's a whopper, right? Uh, so. I'll quickly go through this because the numbers are a bit staggering, uh, Jared. I don't. Yes, have you looked at are. the details of this? I haven't seen all the details. I saw the raw numbers and was like, oh, 150. 143. All right. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 43 per year, 258 total over six year extension. Uh, the max value of the deal is 288, actually, which would be 48 million. Now that's with incentives and everything. Terms are like so. As I can try to explain this in layman's terms, his signing bonus to start is 16.5 million dollars guaranteed right now, cash. Right, uh, 2021 uh, this year, which is still on his rookie deal. Fully guaranteed at nine hundred twenty thousand. Who cares? That's pennies now, right? Right. Uh, d- d- Two thousand twenty-one roster bonus two point six million. Fully guaranteed. Two 
2022 option bonus of $42.4 million, fully guaranteed at signing. His base salary, 4.1, that's fully guaranteed. They're doing that to prorate it, I'm assuming, right? So then in 2023, his base salary goes up to 27.5 million. That's fully guaranteed. 2024, roster bonus, 6 million, becomes fully guaranteed five days after signing. Why? What's the point in waiting five days? I have no idea. Uh, 2024 uh, base salary, $24 million, 10 of which becomes fully guaranteed the fifth day of the 22 league year. So to explain this properly then, the other 13.5 becomes guaranteed the fifth day of the 23 league year. So his 24 base salary becomes all fully guaranteed by the end of 23. So it's basically guaranteed. Like it's guaranteed now, basically, right? Unless he, unless he were to die, he's going to get that money, right? Basically, yeah. Um, or retire or whatever. Uh, Twenty two thousand twenty five roster bonus, another twenty five million. Sixteen point five becomes guaranteed on the fifth day of two thousand twenty three league year, guaranteed a year and a half in advance. 2025 base salary 14 million and it goes on and on eventually in 2027 26 and 20 basically in 2026 27 28 it slows down there's roster bonuses combined with base salaries of around 40 million dollars each year the rest of the way and that is not all guaranteed however he has a ton of incentives that he can guarantee some of this stuff onto it. As we said, it maxes out at $288 million. I mean, it's crazy. It's the most guaranteed money in any contract. It's 43 APY on the surface. He gets 130... Listen to this. Last figure I'll throw you at, because this is a whopper. Uh, $138 million of that 150 guaranteed he will get in cash by year three. So, oh, my goodness. So he, this is a really, really nice deal, Jared, that they worked up for him. 43, maxes out at 48. What does this do? We don't really care about that. That's fine, whatever. But it does affect the market big time for Baker. Uh, how does this affect Baker? Well, I think it affects Baker in a lot of ways. The first thing I do want to say is I don't know how much money he needs to give to Brian Dayball and to Sean McDermott, but they set him up for success. So Lamar Jackson, same thing happened in Baltimore. They set him up for success, right? And so um, with Baker Mayfield, probably the opposite, right? He hasn't been set up for success. <laughs> what I think it does with Baker Mayfield is it puts an impetus on, on, on what, he, bluntly, the Browns would have loved to get a deal done. Baker's... Baker has said, sure, get to a number. I don't know the number, so I'm not reporting that. Uh, but Baker said, you know, if you want to do this, we're going to get to a certain number area right around above Dak Prescott. If you want to just knock it out, we'll knock it out now. If not, I know what I can do. I know what this team can do. I believe in what Kevin Stefanski is doing. So that's up to you. And now that number is higher than Josh Allen. Uh, while Baker Mayfield and, and fans, or I'm sorry, while fans and media talk about what has happened, players and teams are paying for what's going to happen. 
And the Browns believe that Baker Mayfield is scratching the surface. Baker Mayfield knows he's scratching the surface. And so now this is just another number. Does he think he's going to get the complete contract Patrick Mahomes? No, he absolutely knows what that looks like, why it won't happen, or at least probably is not going to happen unless he literally wins a Super Bowl and an MVP this year. But he believes he's going to show this season that he should be number two. And so number two prior to this was Dak Prescott. Uh, now it's Josh Allen, and it could be Lamar Jackson, right? And so Baker Mayfield believes this season he can prove that. And so for him, it's no question it's just going to change the number a little bit. It's not 40, it's not 40. Point five or whatever Dax was, it's 43, whatever this one is, uh, and it's going to be structured in such a way that he's getting 150 in three years, not 130 or whatever whopper of a number that you just said. Uh, Baker is probably the most competitive person you've ever met in your entire life. Just is. And so he's the guy that says, give me one penny more. But he also goes, yeah, you know what? Really, I meant a million. <laughs> like, he's just that guy. And it's not about money. It really isn't. If Baker could adjust that and, and get that kind of credit in another way, he would. But he's not the guy that's taking a discount. He's just not. Uh, yeah. But it's not because he needs the money or he's arrogant or he's any of those things. The dude will try to outrace you to the bathroom and try to drink that jug of milk before you can and probably would fail the saltine challenge and start coughing up them saltines he will do that because he is that competitive so i think all these numbers mean is he's gonna get more or he believes he's gonna get more and for the browns at some level okay if we pay you now you don't have that chip on your shoulder so if you if you're only going to settle for more than we're in that area of josh allen lamar jackson well there's no point in us doing that now let's go ahead put that chip on your shoulder prove it, then we'll pay you, because they really don't have a problem paying Baker Mayfield literally almost anything short of the Patrick Mahomes, you know, mega whopper, 10-year, half a bill, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, and I don't see that happening. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i with you there. I, I feel like, um, well, I said this, the Browns have reached a point where they're okay with waiting just because I think they are at a point where they know that the, their figures that they are desire are so far apart, and they know that a deal is going to get there. It's just kind of a matter of this playing itself out. Now, it, so I think they're fine with waiting, and I think Baker's camp is fine with waiting, and eventually we're going to get close enough here to football where they're going to say, focus is on football, mm -hmm. boom. It's, you know, and I think Baker will be the last of the three to sign his deal. I just do. Uh, I feel pretty firmly about that. Um, yeah. I mean, Lamar the, Jackson, you know, being three, his own yeah. agent plays a little, makes yeah. that a little iffy because you just never know where that's going to go. There's no, there's no book for that. But yeah, it's I agree. It's true. I, I think at this point he has a little more momentum than Baker does just because I think that both sides are okay with it. Uh, the situation and, and like you said, Baker will bet on himself. Uh, he has no problem doing that. He's done it time after time in his life. And, I, and then I hear people say, well, isn't Baker the kind of guy that'll take less hometown discount because he'll want to win and he'll know the importance of winning? No, I, I don't think he is. A, because I think that I think people forget this. 
players have a responsibility to other players mm-hmm. to get every last dime. Like the NFLPA frowns upon the idea of you taking less money because their job is to raise the market as high as we can get the market so we can all get as much money as we can get. And really, uh, I think Baker probably is right there believing in that as well. And as you said, it's competitive as well. Um, a lot of people will throw rankings at me. Well, he's he's like the 11th ranked quarterback, da 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 He should be paid like the 11th. He should get $33 million or thirty. I don't think those numbers even enter his mind. I think the number right now for him is probably like 40, like mm-hmm. Dak. Because for me, that's the market. It's not about ranking. It's about timing, like you said. It's the market in paying these guys is all about timing. The timing right now lends itself to be able to ask for $40 million. Because Dak Prescott got $40 million. So I should be able to get $40 million. And his best years are ahead of him. You're not paying him for the 2019 is bad year or 18 or whatever. You're paying him for the years that he's going to have with Stefanski where he's going to be an elite quarterback. And right now, I mean, you could say that he could go out and be in the MVP conversation this year and they could really have to pay him. Like, you know, but that's a good problem for the Browns. So I'm not worried about that. Like, that's a really good problem to have. It so. really, yeah, I mean, it really is. And I think, you know, the other thing is a lot of people will bring up Tom Brady. A, he's unique, right? That he's the one. The reason you bring up Tom Brady is he's the one. Drew Brees was getting 40 or whatever he was getting for when he was 40 or whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. Tom Brady was unique in that he was the one guy. That's why everybody can can talk about him. And and the other thing is, is he also uh, didn't make as much money as his wife. Like his wife is making... 10 times the amount of his money. So for him, whatever, I don't care. I'll make 10 million because she's making 150 a year, 400, whatever the heck she was making. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the reality is money matters. Um, and so for Baker, it's, it's, it's going to matter. And you're absolutely right. Great point about the NFL PA is they want everybody getting their top dollar. They just need that to happen. And the reality for the Browns is if they believe in Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, then they believe that the Browns can win paying big money to their quarterback. And they believe they'll just have to draft well, keep some guys, let some other guys go. It's why the Wyatt Teller contract always is one that I, I, I feel iffy about. Um, you know, they just have to figure all that stuff out with a big, you know, a big quarterback on a big contract. And you're exactly right. What a great problem to have. We have a quarterback that if anybody else tried to sign him, they'd sign him for $45 million. We have to pay him 43 and a half. All right, great. That's yeah. so terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy times. Happy times. Like, yeah, seriously, like, uh, it's a good problem, and uh, I think it'll work itself out. And, uh, you know, I, ho- I hope he does everything he can and, and absolutely blows it up and gets himself $45 million because all that means is the Browns are just going to be successful and win a lot of games. And as you said – they, that's Andrew Barry's job is to figure out if I've got a premier quarterback, which is the most position in football, and when you have that position solved, winning becomes so much easier, right? Like that is the first step in being able to win every year is have that guy on your roster signed long-term. Uh-huh. So don't tell me that's 
is somehow a problem into getting to your end goal. That's the biggest step in getting to your end goal. It's the it's required. Like it's required. It's just required. Like oh my goodness, I have to put gas in my car. Like you just got to do it if you have goals that need gas in a car. Like just the way it works, y'all. Like you want to be paying a quarterback a lot of money. Generally speaking, they earn it. Um, obviously, someone's going to say, what about Jared Goff and Carson Wentz? I'm not totally sure they earned it when they got it, right? And and there's obviously injury history and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a good problem to have. It's a great conversation to have. Yeah, absolutely. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Jared Mueller of the Browns Wire. He's actually the managing editor at the Browns Wire, and he's doing a fantastic job knocking it out of the park. He's my boss. He's top man. <laughs> I, I report to him. Uh, but, yeah, tonight let's do another round. We did this on this week. is running long. I did a show every single night. Tuesday, well, not did my show, so I was guest on Jake's show on Monday. My show with Jeff Tuesday, Fantasy Special Wednesday, Dogland last night, which you were recently on, I think, mm-hmm. as well, uh, with Jackson last night, and then wrapping it up here tonight, Friday night. So it's uh, it's been a long week of coverage. I told you I was coming back from vacation on fire. So yeah, yeah you, you did. Uh, that's a, that's a lot of it's a lot of great people though. Like think of, I mean, it is. I know we're gonna go through. You know, we got more important things, but you know, one of the greatest things about going through the struggles of the Browns is. How many awesome people are in kind of the the media community, right? Like you just listed, you know, Jake Burns, Jeff Risden, Jackson McCurry, uh, you know, with you. You know, there's just so many, you know, we have Josh Keatley doing, you know, uh, his thing with the pod. But just how many great people, um, you know, in the community that that work together, that talk to each other, you know, that don't have that. I mean, just that there's not that ego with a lot of us. Uh, it's just been a really cool blessing to be a part of that growing and now kind of getting to celebrate together and kind of getting to share that, like, holy crap, they're good. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome because nobody's ever like, no, I'm not going to do that or this because I want to be better than you. It's just kind of everybody in this media community is just kind of like, yeah, let's do it. I, I I love talking to you. I love talking to you. Let's put together the best shows we can for, for this fan base. And it's, that's a great attitude and an awesome way to do it. Really good people. You're right. Uh, very well said. Um, all right. Stay or go. We did this with Jeff. I got some different names on here. Are you ready to go? Stay or go. Will they make the Browns roster? Stay or go. You ready? Sure, I have no idea who's on the list, so let's go. You don't know. That's part of the that's part of the fun. Uh, I have my ans- little answers written next to them, so we'll hash out the ones that we have a difference of opinion on. Okay. Sheldrick Redwine. See ya. Yes, sir. That dude does not know. I mean, I don't. Uh, seems like a nice guy. Doesn't really understand concepts of football. My problem is where the hell is Richie LeCount? Because I expected him to win that job, and Richie LeCount is nowhere to be found. Yeah, I don't know either. And I, you know, and it's another area where you know, with the Browns' depth in that offensive line, and maybe even defensive line, that you may see some adjustment in trades. Where you know, offensive line is way more valuable, generally speaking, than you know, a fourth free safety. But that may be where you see Andrew Barry, who, man, that dude defines aggressive. With I'm just going to keep on making moves, like. I don't care. You, you know, I'm going to move on from this guy. I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to trade this guy. I'm going to sign this guy. I don't care. I'm going to keep it going. Yeah, and that that offensive line, like, 
uh, I think it was last night I was talking with Jackson about it, like the second string Browns offensive line could probably start for some teams in the NFL right now. Uh, it's pretty incredible. So yep. uh, that's certainly dealing from a position of power that you're talking about there if he chose to go that route. Second name on stay or go here tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland, A.J. Green. Oh, he's going to stay. I have been a big fan of Green last year as an undrafted free agent, uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, I think they have a uh, a lot of hope in him. Um, now he, you know, is he going to be that you know fifth kind of corner? Fine, uh, but AJ Green has actually shown really well in training camp this year, uh, and he is someone that I think pretty highly of. Uh, and even if Greedy Williams just can't make it back from his injury or isn't good, I mean, he's a second round pick and he's a no name, but I think they feel a lot of confidence in AJ Green. Really, the only disappointment I have is that A.J. Green, the wide receiver, is in Arizona, and I don't get to see A.J. Green defend A.J. Green. That's really all I care about there. (laughs) I agree. That's a tough one. Uh, Although, they play Arizona, so you might get to see that. Oh, there we go. Uh, All right. So, uh, A.J. Green, here's my question. I just don't know if there's enough room. Uh, Because you go... I mean, when you talk about the the breakdown of a roster, you go four corners. Well, if Greedy's part of this, there's already four there to be spoken for. Uh, Do you keep, uh, you know, a fifth guy uh, that dresses? I I mean, practice squad at least, right? Well, I actually think they may be closer to six this year that they're keeping. I don't know if, you know, who's going to – I'm 53, man. I think they're going to keep six. Uh, the Browns buy into the PFF idea that coverage is more important than pass rush. Yeah. So I, I do think they're, they're, they're at least keeping five, and I think Green would be the fifth. I would not be shocked by six, and I will probably continue to predict that. Um, okay. Where they steal that other player from is going to be interesting, you know, whether that's, you know – Steve Carlson's off the roster, an offensive lineman. You know, there's lots of places you can find that extra guy. Uh, but, yeah, I do think A.J. Green – it's a good question, uh, especially with the versatility they have at safety and JOK. Do they carry more of other areas using the versatility, you know, that they have elsewhere? Yeah. Well, it's something to look at and pay attention to because he's certainly been playing well, right? He's played. He's had a great camp, no question. Marvin Wilson. I think they're hoping he gets injured. <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry. I forgot to do the wink. Injured. Right. I mean, the reality is that that kind of stuff happens a lot, I think. <laughs> um, so I'm just being really honest, and they can do that in a way that doesn't, so doesn't come off. Him. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he's going to be a stash. I do think they would like him to make the team. He's such an interesting player, Florida State. Uh, you know, he was you know top five, top ten type of pick. And then COVID and team motivation and injuries and all that stuff really kind of knocked him down. We haven't heard really anything about him. But to be honest, we haven't heard much about anybody on the defensive line outside of Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Tag McKinley's been sick. Everybody else, without the physicality and all that kind of stuff, you don't hear much. But I do worry about that a little bit. Like, I haven't heard wow, that guy just blew through the middle of the line and, you know, was in Baker's face and had to be called off. We haven't heard a lot of that. So the the interior of the defensive line uh, really is up in the air. I just feel like Marvin uh, is, is might be that guy that, you know, that sneaks through to that IR and uh, they kind of get his body right, get his mind right, get him ready for the NFL, and then he's a player next year. Red shirt him. 
Richard yep. on the IR. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, good answer. I like it. Uh, to your point on the interior defensive line, Jackson asked me the, you know, come preseason games, what position I'll be watching the most, and I said interior defensive line because there's so much talent there. I don't know if they're going to be really good or if they're going to be really bad there. I'm just not really sure yet. I don't think it's going to be really bad, but I don't know who it's going to be either for sure. And I think that's a great way to say it. Like, I'd say this. I like everybody they have there. Like, I'm even really intrigued by Malik McDowell a little bit. Like, he's got that Calais Campbell body thing going that's really impressive. Linear, you know, all lean, all that stuff. On the other hand, there is not a single player on that interior defensive line that I wouldn't replace. Like, I know it sounds so weird to say, but like, yeah, I like them all, but there's none of them. I'm like, Oh, they traded that guy. No, the trade's got to be right. But there's just no one there that I'm like, yeah, that guy, he's going to be the guy Malik Jackson. Like we talk about him as if he's just sliding into Sheldon Richardson's spot. There he's is not n- Sheldon Richardson. That's just not happening. Exactly. Right. So yeah, I think defense interior defensive line is going to be so interesting to watch. Um, and again, in, hopefully in the passing league, you're going to see more Clowney, McKinley, Weaver, Porter, Gustin, Miles Garrett, and have them kind of rotating inside um, because they do have a lot of guys at defensive end to make up for what just doesn't seem like they've got the upside in the defense, interior defensive line right now. Yeah, uh, Clowney makes you feel better about the whole thing just because you can see him moving in there if they really need to a lot. And, uh, I think the one guy I would say that I I am hopeful or I wouldn't want to trade trade away, I think, is Tommy Togi. I I think maybe he could be, like, the savior there because I've heard some really positive things, not so much about camp, but just guys that were close to him or associated with him about the type of player that he could be that have done some work on him. My only concern with him, well, two, they go together, is – how is he going to be used? So what is his role? Larry Ogunjobi really struggled because he didn't want to anchor. He wanted to penetrate. Right. Um, and so that's what he's going to do in Cincinnati. It's going to be a three technique. Uh, with Tommy, I'm not sure he, he's just kind of got that classic tweener thing, right? He's not he fast enough to be a great defensive tackle or a three technique, but he's maybe not big enough, strong enough to be, you know, a, a nose. So I'm yeah. just not sure. No. I, I knew that was going to – or I hope that would be your answer. Uh, there's a lot of hope there and a lot of upside there. But, yeah, I think we're we're on the same page. It's just going to be really interesting to watch. And, you know, with teams like Tennessee and Baltimore a little bit and the Raiders, I mean, there are – Miami likes to power run at times. They're they're going to need to be able to be stout against the run. And and so that, de- that interior defensive line just cannot be a weak link is really what's going to be the key. Yeah. Malik McDowell is the most intriguing guy. You said it, man. I mean, I just if they could just find a way, and and I think I remember I talked to you about this. I had a guy on the show that had him at their free agent camp. It's like the College of Great Iron Showcase or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have a college thing, but they had Malik McDowell at their free agent camp. His name is Mike Riddleman, and he came on my show at right after they signed McDowell, and he had worked with him. And he had said that he was very humble and was turning around his life and everything like that. And the only other thing I would say that kind of speaks to the idea that maybe he is turning his life around is that Andrew Berry hasn't really taken a chance on anybody else like this. There's nobody else on the roster with character concerns, really, except for Malik McDowell. 
So, well, Kareem Hunt, they 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 did extend but, uh, him, but it was before him. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. Yeah. The extension, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But you're exactly right. I mean, to be honest, I think all of us when that news came, how many times did I check to make sure those were verified accounts? Like I was like, wait, what? At first, I'm like, yeah, Malik McDowell, Malik McDowell. I know that. Like, wait, no, yeah. no. Like, yeah. and then you know, you try to remember, put all that story together because you know it's another team. Didn't he? Isn't he physically able to play? Like I had, like yeah. that put all together. But yeah, Andrew Berry's yeah. not just bringing that guy in, um, you know, unless there is a lot there. So yeah, I'm really intrigued by him. He was a second round pick, um, and if the physical Monster. talents are there and he's got his head right, which was the issue, man, that's that could be really exciting and really interesting. <laughs> it could. I, I want to. I'm anxious to see him play in yeah. preseason. Very anxious. All right, so that should be fun. All right. It seems to have, be having a very good camp, but I'm going to throw this name out here and say or go just because he was on our list at the beginning of camp. Mac Wilson, where are you at with him? Ooh. Mm. Mac drives me nuts. Um, and here's why. He is such a hard worker. Like, none of that is – I mean, he, he does a lot of social media stuff. None of that is just show. It is show and go. Like, the dude works hard. The dude cares the dude wants it, right? Um, and he has reshaped his body this offseason. Like, that's all real. And when he talks about the knee injury, that's all real. I just don't see the room. Like, it's really hard for me to see him on the roster. The Browns see Jacob Phillips as a possible starter. You have Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. You have Anthony Walker. I think it's, you know, do they keep a Malcolm Smith who they know can step in as that veteran leader, right? If you don't have – if Anthony Walker goes down with a real injury – in the season and Malcolm Smith's off the roster, Mac Wilson is your veteran, right? Like nothing against the guy, but he's your veteran with Jacob Phillips and Jeremiah Wusakoromoa. Ah, that's just a little tough for me to think that they're going to go in that direction. Um, that's where a Grant Delpit and, you know, some of those other roster spots kind of play that role for them is, you know, do they keep five? Do they only keep four? Right. right. What do they need in special teams? All of that kind of stuff. So right now I would say Mac Wilson is out, but I'm really actually surprised by the fact that that he's closer to in than he is out. Um, and I never thought I would say that uh, at the start of mini camp, much less training camp. Yeah, I mean that interception was uh, incredible. Like, yeah, it's not an average linebacker interception right there. That was a freakishly athletic play. Um, you know, I. I hope he makes it. I, I do. Um, I'm hoping for it. It's interesting you brought up Malcolm Smith because that's the next name on my list. So this kind of ties into that. Malcolm Smith, stay or go? You kind of say stay then, right? It's like yeah. one or the other, right? It is. I think it is one or the other, and I think, again, floor is going to play that role, and I think veteran leadership, all of that, they really do care about. But Malcolm Smith played well last year, right? His, he did. His coverage grades were good, all that stuff. I do think he's a stay guy. Um, Andrew Berry respects veterans, so he wouldn't have brought back Malcolm Smith knowing what he did with Walker already if he didn't at least plan on you know him having kind of an edge in some of that because uh, he would have just let Smith go someplace else. Uh, out of respect for a veteran and what he had done for the team. For the purpose of this exercise, because I think I think we have time to do this real quick. Keep sit. You keep six linebackers, right? That's where it's tough. Like that's where I'm looking at five. You know, okay. I'm, that's one of the areas that I think you may see a cut down. 
so that you keep the extra coverage people. Um, but again, that I'll just be honest. I really struggle with rocket roster construction with special teams, right? Like obviously we can talk about returners and all that junk. Um, it's just really hard to figure out what that's going to look like. They wanted Tony Fields. They wanted Richard LeCount. You know, they wanted some of those guys to take over for uh, Tay Davis and um, Javier Thomas. You know, can they do that? Or, you know, does that mean they're going to keep Elijah Lee, who is a special teams ace in and of himself, or special team quality player yeah. in and of himself? So um, I, I think they want to keep five, but I think special teams will decide if they keep six or do they really just go crazy and keep four and just if they can't they you know if, they, if four is not enough then they, they'll figure it out some other way what what about j jok a walk sioni takitaki malcolm smith jacob phillips i mean that's your five right yeah i think sioni takitaki is going to be interesting along with mac wilson but he does he does things different right he's just a different player yeah, so yeah he I, plays the run well and yeah i think if fields was healthy he might fight for that fifth spot as well i just i think he's another guy that's gonna probably end up on ir he's um, missing valuable time man valuable they really time. are and again for a team that wants to win they don't have time for that anymore right like upside is for next year Upside is for throughout the year, but right now they just don't have time for that. So, yeah, I think that's probably your five. Um, and then, you know, you, you see what happens with Walker's injury. He should be back, all that stuff. Yeah, I think I think that if they – I think if Mac Wilson plays well enough, because the roster rules are the same as last year with COVID, right? So I think they can keep Mac Wilson around – and not dress somebody so you know what i mean because i think that they're like able to dress 50 what was it last year 53 58 53 or something like that with the uh practice players well yeah they had the they had more on the practice squad and they i mean they still dress the same amount but they were able to be more flexible okay. with that yeah i think if i some podcast i was on last at the end of last year i said if i was mac wilson's agent i would tell him to slim down and become a safety a strong safety because coverage has never been his problem it's really been in the run and and just kind of hitting you know being in the right position and all that stuff so i do think as we value coverage mac wilson fits that uh he just was so out of place so many times on (laughs) lamar jackson's runs and all that stuff that you're like we can't have you on the field man I just remember him falling down in the hole in that one game where he's like, he was like there, and he just kind of <laughs> just fell out of the hole. I've watched uh, my pu- my new puppy do that. She just kind of gets tired and just kind of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, I was like, uh, oh, he had him. Where do you yeah, find his controller? Why do you fall over? Yeah, uh, but yeah, I hope I hope Mac makes it. Um, all right, last stay or go guy. And we'll, and we'll wrap this things up here. We're coming up on an hour here, so thank you for your time. You've been excellent. Uh, Dearness Johnson. I don't have a freaking clue. Goes. I think Dimitri Felton, they're using him in a variety of ways. I don't think they're overly worried about having a third back. Honestly, I think they're also like, you know what? If Hunt and Chubb go down, we're just going to throw the ball a lot. Like, we'll just, we're yeah, going to have I to mean, change it up. And, 
And they also, what we know is you don't actually have to have a good running game for play action to matter. There's tons of research on that now. You don't have to have a the good bills. running back. It doesn't. You just, yeah, yeah, just pretend like you're going to hand the ball off and all of a sudden. Yeah. So I think Dearness Johnson is off the roster. Do you actually agree with that? I, I do. I think that there is no chance he makes the roster, actually. I think that Demetric Felton brings so much more than he does. Like, he's magical with the ball in his hand. He can bring a lot of stuff to the pass game, and he brings an element that they don't have really in the run game. Uh, they don't need a third guy that can run between the tackles. They need a guy that can do what Demetric Felton can do. And I like That's- Felton. I think he could be a nice... Nice piece moving forward. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, they don't need that third guy. And if Dearness Johnson is your starting running back, I'm not sure you're that happy about it. So right, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and and I mean, Felton can run between the tackle. I mean, he's, he, I think you know if he had to. So I mean, Darren Sproles did it. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, no no doubt. Uh, and yeah, like you said, they'll just throw the ball anyways if that comes down to it. Browns could beat you in a lot of ways this year. That's what it'll be fun. Uh, all right. Final thing here for us, Jared, as we'll do end on this note. You know, we've seen Dan Campbell and, and the Lions get in a fight, and we saw the Giants and, and Joe Judge uh, get in a fight, and, and that's fine. Like, I had it up on my screen for Jeff earlier this week. Do you like fighting in training camp? Like, <laughs> Like, cause some guys like it. Like it's they they want to see that competitive spirit. Now the Browns have been very very professional. They seem to, they're taking care of each other. Even in pads, they're kind of going at a pace that's not really pad like. Like they're not. I caught a glimpse of the the Steelers practice. Now I know they're further along because they had to play last night right. the Hall of Fame game, but they're tackling to the ground. Like it looked like a real game. Like they were, you know, Najee Harris was getting tackled to the ground. Like the Browns have, they're not even close to doing that yet, right? Like it's still right. touch and knock the ball it's out. Something or and it's yes, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but I like that they're handling that way, and he's being very conservative with his Beckhams and even other veterans. Landry, uh, you know, that you get a day off. Clowney gets a day off. Like, I like it. Like, it, he's it's a very professional approach. But when they're in there, expected to work hard, but not but take care of each other. And the practices seem very efficient. They, he's coming away like almost every day. Stefanski the next morning feels like he got accomplished what he wanted to the day before, which makes me feel good because I know he's super freaking detail oriented and prepared, right? Like this guy is thinking like a million miles out. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what, you know, we've all been in, uh, there's always that little meme where it's like the ribbon that says, um, that meeting could have been an email, right? Like that, that kind of concept. Kevin Stefanski doesn't have any of that. People get done with their, what they need to do. And they're like, that dude respected my time. Like that guy yes. respected what we needed to get done, got it done. I think what the reality is, is Stavansky's team, the guys that he has, the leaders that he has are super competitive, aggressive dudes. He needs to dial those dudes back. Right. And he needs to kind of ramp them down a little bit versus ramp them up. And so he's doing that. A lot of the days off and all that stuff is you got to keep Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry and even Jadavion Clowney at some level from hurting themselves. Yeah. I think if you had a different, I know everybody's going to say, oh, I love that mindset that they're that. I mean, you can be good and just a kind of a laid back, relaxed, 
Eli Manning is going to be a Hall of Famer, and that dude didn't look stressed a day in his life, right? Like he right. looked bored and all that stuff. So you can have some of that. Um, and those are the guys you got to kind of ramp up. Those are the guys you got to kind of set the level. The Browns players set the level. Stefanski is trying to keep them from going too hard, too fast. He does. He's got to kind of ramp it down just a little bit. So I think it's perfect. Um, and that's really what we're looking for as a, as a head coach that doesn't just do things one way. It's a head coach that looks at his roster and goes, no, these guys are going to set the competitive level and I got to keep them down just a smidge. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and I'm sure some people feel differently about this. I, I'm sure there are guys that are very stuck in, in how you should do a training camp and this and that. But, like, I agree with you 100%. I love the tempo, the pace, the efficiency, the very professional approach they're having to this training camp. It feels like they're getting a lot done. And, you know, Stefanski, I, I mentioned this a couple times this week, he last year when he was talking about they asked him you know when he first got on the field with his guys uh, you know finally right he was like we still got to take our time to teach these guys how to practice right like i want them to know how i want them to practice Uh and you don't hear head coaches say that in the nfl a lot like he was very adamant about they need to learn how to practice before we can even practice like how i want them to practice yeah you see that now like you see that culture and that effect like really taking place now because they're all efficient they're all quick to you know they're through a drill they're running to the next drill they're doing this they're doing that but at the same time he's going to give you a break when you need one this that the other i feel like he's got a really nice feel for this team absolutely and that's you know from a leader that's what you need you need to feel your team you need to know when you need to bite their kneecaps off and all that Fun stuff that Dan Campbell, Damn. you know, Jeff gets to deal with up there. I think that's a great way to say it. He has a feel for his team. And that, you know, that comes that came through last year. Like even though he did a lot, had to do a lot through Zoom and all that, he really understands his players. Uh, he connects to his players in a lot of ways. Even though he's pretty dry, pretty, you know, even keeled, all that stuff. You know, he's not, you know, Mr. Gregarious, but he's also not Bill Belichick. I'm never gonna smile and yeah. You know, he's just real to himself, and, and players really are attracted to that. I agree. Uh, Jared Mueller, top man at the Browns Wire, USA Today Sports Media Group. Go check us out. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller, at Jared K. Mueller. Is that correct? Yes, sir. It's right there below your head. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, right there. Uh, there. There it is. <laughs> Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, Jared. You're awesome. Uh, always love getting your analysis on things. I think we, I think we covered everything well. Efficient, as speaking of efficient, under an hour, all of it. We did, we did it, it, brother. Go Absolutely get some rest. Bad. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely. Take care. All right, Mikey, take us to a short break, please, sir. I don't know if you're asleep behind the wheel or what back there, but. It's time for a break.
And we are back here at All Eyes on Cleveland. We're going to wind things down here on a Friday night. Uh, big thanks to Jared Mueller, uh, who is the managing editor at the Browns Wire, where I write. Uh, Jared writes like a million articles every day. He's uh, incredible uh, as far as a writer and a, a great analyst as well and did a great job on the show here tonight. This winds down a long week of shows, uh, but... The Browns are right where we want them to be. I feel really good about things. Injury-wise, things go feel good. Josh Allen contract comes down. It's a monster contract. Uh, you know, the the most staggering figure is that there is the cash number, $138 cash in his pocket within the first three years of a six-year deal. That contract will not see, like, six years from now. So that contract will go into effect two years from now. He gets the signing bonus money now and they guarantee they throw in another bonus next year and they'll prorate all that. But the uh, by the time he gets to... So that deal would technically end at the end of 2028. It's... they It won't get past 2026. Like, they're going to... The last two years of that will be restructured in some way or form. A, it's going to be too little to pay him at that point because it's like $40 million uh, left each year down the last part of it. All the guaranteed money is paid out. So the six years, it's more like six years from now. Think of it that way. So he has two more years. He has his, his, uh, you know, fourth year, his fifth year, uh, which option was picked up and they turned that rolled that into a monster huge another bonus like 45 million dollars like next in 2022 uh that he'll get and then the first four years of the actual extension contains guaranteed money in it uh not so much the last two years so look for a restructure like six years from now not eight years from now, which would be when the actual contract ends. Just to kind of give you a, an idea on where the guaranteed money lands in that deal. And and at that point, it's going to be, if, if Josh Allen is still Josh Allen, that's going to be way too low for him to just take the base pay. They're either going to have to guarantee some of that, roll it into another bonus, uh, and restructure things for him, or just tear it up and, and write him a new deal. Uh, one or the other will happen at the end of that. Uh, this has been an awesome week uh, of coverage. Uh, you know, feel good that uh, although I want to see more Grant Delpit, as I explained, uh, and I want to see Greedy test him physically with pads on and things like that, I feel otherwise like. Things are going really well, and the Browns are as healthy as, you know, A-Walk will be back, and it's fine. I think Jacob Phillips getting reps at that middle linebacker position is is good. Like, that's A-Walk doesn't need those reps right now. Jacob Phillips being the future there can use those reps right now. That's not a bad thing. So I feel good about the health of this team other than I just want to see, and I know – it was his Achilles, so like Delpa, you have to take his time. But I do want to see like Greedy test get tested physically 
before sooner than later like waiting to test him out physically on a non-lower extremity injury where it's like his nerve is firing do we know if he's going to be able to hit or compete at that level of physicality uh, and they're holding him out of team drills and stuff like that like to me that doesn't make sense you got to test it and find it out now because if he can't then you maybe need to even add more depth at the cornerback position uh, you just cannot have enough cover guys uh, certainly Newsom. I think is going to start there anyways. I'm not depending as greedy as a starter. I'm just saying depth-wise, you need to have four guys that can cover. More than that. But four guys that can cover really well, especially if you want this defense to take a leap. And right now, if you count those guys off, that includes Greedy, Troy Hill, Denzel, Newsome. Um... Maybe A.J. Green's that guy. I don't know. He's a camp hero so far, so we'll see how that goes. But these are things to keep an eye on. And I'm over-anxious on Grant Delpit, but I understand why they're being calm and easy with him. And I have no problem with doing, you know, with, with giving Jadavian Clowney a Veterans Day off or Odell Beckham going at the pace he is now, which is every other day of action makes sense. Uh, so... It'll be interesting, and we'll breach this topic next week. But you know, how would we? How do we think that they're going to play the preseason games uh, as those are coming up? But based on the way that training camp has been handled, I would think that we probably won't see very much action for guys like Beckham, uh, Clowney, uh, guys like that in, in training camp. Uh, or pardon me in preseason games maybe like a series in in the third one but i think that there's some guys that'll probably get held out of almost all of the preseason games uh it's it's about the ones that matter for this team this is a team has a chance to compete for everything that we want them to so uh handling them this way, I think, makes a lot of sense, and I think that Stefanski has a really good feel for it, as I said earlier to Jared. Uh, so this will be the last show of the week, at least I think, unless something crazy breaks over the weekend or, uh, you know, somebody gives me a call and wants to hop on the air, we can always do that. But uh, Brown's training camp breakdown here on All Eyes on Cleveland, presented by Boo Wire Hustle, also presented by Fanatics. Go get yourself one of the throwback white jerseys, training camp hats, shirts, everything. It's in the link below. Uh, while you're looking down there, hit like, hit subscribe. Keep coming back to All Eyes on Cleveland. We uh, love providing this coverage, uh, and uh, we will continue to do so. Big thanks to Mikey on the ones and twos tonight, uh, and uh, thanks for tuning in to catch up with our training camp breakdown. Dog check back to you, Troy. Thanks for watching, brother. You're a good man. And uh, we're going to get up and out of here. But uh, um, camp again tomorrow. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes peeled on on stuff there. Uh, I think uh, is tomorrow is Sunday. I, is it Sunday? I think is the uh, orange and orange and brown scrimmage so i'll be there we'll talk uh if if you see me give me a holler 
uh, and uh, we'll chop it up and talk Browns. But uh, thanks for watching All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. Uh, go check out Vivid Seats and Fanatics in the links below or at the webpage www.alleyesoncleveland.com. For Mikey on the 1 to 2s, my name is Brad Ward. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell on your way out. And speaking of out, we are out. Go Browns.